Hey friends, this is Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous, where we discuss pop culture through the lens of race or gender and sometimes both. I'm your host, Julia Washington, and on today's show, my guest is Joe Gonzalez, and we are discussing Steven Universe as well as how role player games created space to explore when life doesn't accept you. Hey friends, love our show, but hate the commercials become a pop culture club member on Patreon for $15 a month to receive ad free episodes with bonus content, bonus episodes, a virtual meetup to to discuss movies and television and so much more to learn more about how to become one of our Patreon pals, visit popculturemakesmejealous.com or hit the link in our show notes. Steven Universe first released on July 27th, 2013 and aired on the Cartoon Network. The series ran for six seasons, including Steven Universe Future. The movie aired in September 2019. But before we dive in, let me introduce you to my guest. Joe Gonzalez is the creator producer of Comic News Insider, one of the longest running podcasts in the comic book industry running since 2005. CNN has interviewed hundreds of industry professionals in print media, television, and film. Joe is a huge fan of sci-fi, fantasy, comic books, and animation. Welcome to the show, Joe. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. I'm really excited to talk about all this geek geek stuff that we have lined up here. <laughs> I'm excited too. We actually haven't ever addressed, we haven't talked about role player games on the show before, and we haven't talked about animation before. So you're our first. Oh, so. great. Well, I'm happy to be here to, uh, to, to chat about it. Yeah. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's all on my shoulders now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So for our friends at home, let's kick off with a summary of Steven universe. If you're not familiar with it, And friends, I want to let you know, I did get this description from the AV club because I found in finding the, when I was researching, all of the descriptions were kind of like, eh, and I felt AV club had the best, did the best job. Nice. This series is set in the fictional beach city where the ageless alien warriors, the crystal gems, live in an ancient beachside temple, protecting the world from evil. They project female humanoid forms from magical gemstones that are the core of their being. The crystal gems are Garnet, Amethyst, Pearl, and Stephen, a young half-human, half-gem boy who inherited his gemstone from his mother. The gem's former leader, Rose Quartz. As Stephen tries to figure out his powers, he spends his days with his human father, Greg, his friend, Connie, other people in Beach City, or the other gems, whether to help them save the world or just to hang out. He explores the abilities passed down to him by his mother, which include fusion, the ability of gems to merge their identities and bodies to form a new and more powerful personality. So the show was created by Rebecca Sugar, who worked as a writer on Adventure Time before creating Steven Universe. In a listicle titled The 30 Best Animated Shows Since The Simpsons from Vanity Fair, they had this to say, quote, Steven Universe is the series that countless queer people wish they had growing up. Creator 
Rebecca Sugar, who identifies as a non-binary woman, is blazing trails with her casually heroic approach to LGBTQ representation in children's media. The listicle goes on to say, human or not, the characters on Steven Universe display a range of emotions, anxiety, rage, love, resentment, pride, with a level of thought rarely explored in kids programming and with its emotional intelligence nuanced character development and inherent queerness steven universe has an appeal that transcends age so joe we're going to just start where we always start yes tell me what it is about this show that you love and why okay well a lot to unpack and that was awesome to kind of get you know lay the put the lay the land for for everyone listening to the podcast and a bit about this show so I want to also begin with noting that we will have spoilers. Yes. <laughs> of course. Uh, so uh, we highly recommend you check out Steven Universe. Yes, if you yes. Already. It's on um, HBO Max for those who might have HBO Max. Yes. And it should be noted also that Rebecca Sugar, as you had said, was a writer on Adventure Time. Mm-hmm. And she also wrote many of the amazing songs that you hear in the early seasons of Adventure Time. Uh, and she was there for a few seasons before she left, and then she went on to do her own show, mm-hmm. Steven Universe. And uh, but she did come back, which is kind of cool, for the very finale of Adventure Time, and wrote an original piece of music for the last uh, the last episode. Oh, I didn't realize which- that. I love Adventure Time, and when I turned on Steven Universe, I was like, oh, this kind of feels not familiar, but there's something about right. it that's you know. If you yeah, like Adventure sure. Time, you're going to like St- Steven Universe. Absolutely. And yeah, so if you saw the finale in that final episode, there's that song that they sing at the mm-hmm. end to kind of defeat. Uh, <laughs> uh, and that's Rebecca. She wrote that. She came back to wrote that final piece, which is I love awesome. that. I love yeah. That. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, oh, I, and I mentioned that all because I think the music is one of the things that I really do love about Steven Universe uh, as one aspect of the show. But what I think I really love the most about the show is, you know, it has wonderful storytelling, amazing character development, and you get a plotting, really a long-term story arc for this series, and the love that Rebecca had for creating this project. I mean, this was definitely a passion project of hers that she really wanted to get off the ground, and it was a, it was thrilling that she got it. Mm-hmm. And you know, Rebecca was able to. I think create something that hadn't really been done before, uh, as some of the articles had mentioned too, in terms of telling LGBTQ stories in mainstream animation. But also, in my opinion, you know, it, w- it was done in a way that wasn't saying like, "Hey, look, this episode has a gay storyline." You know, like there's <laughs> right. nothing. It wasn't like really, which is great. I mean, that's the way yeah. it should be. It shouldn't be like pointing it out. It should right. just be a, like a normal thing which it is in, yeah. a, in a story with a character or with different sort of scenarios uh and I mean those are the sort of elements that I think I really love about you know, mm-hmm. the program yeah I agree I agree with you on the the characters can exist just to exist like yeah. you don't have with a lot of um you know live action if you will television shows that do encompass queer storylines especially in, when you think about 2013 you're just like does everybody have to do we only have to talk about the trauma like is that all they're allowed is that all the story <laughs> right, right. they're allowed is here's how we traumatize the queer community you're welcome and it was really refreshing just to kind of have this fun cartoon 
my son loved the show. He still loves the show. He came out and saw me watching it some, some episodes this week. And he's like, oh, I think you're really going to like it. And I, it, and you're right. The music is amazing. It's so much fun. Um, and it doesn't feel forced. Like none of it feels forced. It just feels like fine holiday fun. Gather around the TV. Everyone can enjoy it. Yeah, it- definitely. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's really, you know, I, I think uh, Rebecca, I was fortunate enough to interview Rebecca on my podcast um, a few years back. And it was great to have the chance to kind of just talk to her casually about this program and stuff. She's mentioned this before, but Steven is based on her brother. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, the character of Steven and maybe his idiosyncrasies and even maybe some of the art and stuff is is based on her brother, uh, which is pretty cool. And uh, yeah, and you know, look, I mean, I think there was a lot, uh, and I think we'll talk about it a bit later as well, mm-hmm. a lot that went into really giving someone an opportunity to tell this story. And in the time, I mean, I think we've even come a very long way in the last five years when we're mm-hmm. talking about creating, whether it's animated or mainstream programming with LGBTQ characters or subject matter, that was... I don't know, maybe the early cusp of it being okay, <laughs> okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> to have that sort of stuff out there. And I, and I have to say, even though I know that there was a lot of internal struggle sometimes with the Cartoon Network, I have to also just sort of tip my hat to Cartoon Network for greenlighting that program and really letting her do what she wanted to do. I think in most cases, I had forgotten because it's, it was such a background noise with my son, because he was nine in 2013. And we didn't really like, it wasn't like, I did a whole lot of like, well, you can't watch this unless it was like legitimately mature content, right? Like it's yeah, TBM. Yeah. We're not watching that kind of stuff. Um, so I had forgotten that Steven was like half gem, half human. Yes. And so what rewatching the pilot episode, I was like, all right, can we claim him as team mixed? Because he's got a <laughs> duality here that yep. adds to the show in such a way that I feel like even if you're not, um, you don't identify with being a part of the queer community, if you're a mixed person, you kind of watch his journey there too. Yes. And you can really see a lot of the similar struggles in that you have two sides that are part of you, but how do you navigate, especially because he doesn't have his mom to help right. him navigate what having the gem means and what that looks like. And just, you know, the powerfulness of it, but his dad's there. So his dad can kind of be a guiding voice in some ways. And then he has the other cast of characters to sort of help, but there's still that small, tiny connection. That's not fully come to fruition because he doesn't have his mom. And I just, I forgot about that. And I was just like, okay, don't cry at this cartoon. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, one of the things that I think is another aspect of the show that I really like too, and what you just brought up, the idea that, and this goes back to that idea that it's not being hammered over your head, but really from the get-go in the show, they just sort of -of matter-of-factly go into the concept that we have Stephen who lives with three women Mm -hmm. and his dad is still around, but he doesn't seem to have custody of Steven or like he still interacts with him and has moments with him throughout the whole series, but he's not the immediate caregiver. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, right away, we're given a quote, uh, (laughs) different family dynamic. And 
but yet it's a very supportive family. Yeah. You know, regardless of the situation and the story, you it unfolds a little bit about why he's living in that dynamic. But again, it's just, a, I, I think that's important too, whether or not you identify in the queer community or not, you're automatically just seeing, okay, well, this is just a different family structure mm-hmm. and that's okay too, you know, because there's plenty of people that just have like their grandmother who raises them and that's mm-hmm. all or whatever. Every There is no, as much as some of society wants it to be this perfect textbook thing, there yeah. is no textbook thing. And, and well, while there may be more families that have a mom and a dad, <laughs> that's not necessarily, doesn't mean that there isn't a wide spectrum of different types of family dynamics that exist out there. And I, it's, that's why I think it's very important that we see that type of stuff mm-hmm. on programs for young people. And, and yeah, so it's great to see that right from the beginning of that story, we're just thrust into that and mm-hmm. they don't have to explain it in detail at all right away unfolds over time. Yeah, which I thought was a really smart move too, because I think when you give too much in the beginning, it kind of takes away from what you can get out of the show. Cause if yeah. you can figure it out, if you figure it out within the first two episodes, why are you going to keep going? <laughs> right. <laughs> I want to mention that in a 2013 review of Steven Universe, the AV Club notes that Rebecca Sugar is the first woman in the history of the Cartoon Network to have her name alone on the created byline. In 2016, Sugar did come out as bisexual, and in 2018, she came out as non-binary. Her journey in understanding her identity coincides with her time working on Steven Universe. In an article for Entertainment Weekly, writer Nick Romano offered this. No episodes brought such a seismic imprint on both viewers and the industry at large than season five's The Question and Reunited, which both aired in 2018. It was the moment across the two-part story arc that the kids' animation space welcomed its first same-sex marriage proposal and wedding. The show has faced a multitude of challenges, not only within the network, but also within international distribution. Ultimately, though, if it wasn't for Steven Universe paving the way, it would have been another show. But we're just happy at Steven Universe. (laughs) (laughs) Joe, can you talk a little bit about the impact of having an animated series on a major cable network? And it can be this, it can be a personal or it can be an observations from your time in the comic world, but just this level of storytelling, this type of storytelling. I mean, we didn't grow up with this at all. No. So no, no. like the impact that this has had, do you have some insight there? Yeah. You know, I think we're seeing more and more shows being comfortable having LGBTQ characters, but I really respect that the approach that Rebecca took with this particular show with Steven Universe. And I think this is important, you know, for really two primary reasons. One, if you are a young person who is watching the show and you identify as a member of the queer community, then you could, you might watch it and say, hey, that's me, you know, and if you, but even if you don't identify as such, you might be reminded that, oh, right, there are all sorts of people in the world, some are like me and some aren't, and that's totally okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think she just does, Rebecca just does a really great job of casually bringing that into the story. Um, and another thing that I think that was just really smartly done is 
this concept of the gems, mm -hmm. you know, themselves. And then in one aspect, you might look at this as races, right? Um, as different gems that they identify there as perhaps different races. Um, but adding to this is the concept of fusing gems, mm -hmm. which, you know, and when they come together, they create a new gem. And so, you know, and I want to just point out in one of the episodes at the end of season one, although, like you said in that article that had come up before from uh, Entertainment Weekly talking about the one that was in season five about the wedding, mm -hmm. but the end of season one, um, I mean, this was, I think, really impactful for me, but the end of season one, they had the, uh, so it was the final episode of the first season, I think it was called Jailbreak, if I'm not mistaken, and what they did in that particular episode is then we are introduced to, at the time, we don't know who, but two new characters, Ruby and Sapphire, mm -hmm. who we discover are able to fuse together and become one of the main characters that we learn who it is, is Garnet. And, you know, the idea of it for me was just this really beautiful illustration of two beings mm -hmm. who love each other and come together or fuse in this case to become someone new. <laughs> <laughs> and it has, you know, you can look at it in all types of ways, right? There's mm -hmm. two, the, each one has a distinct personality that is part of who Garnet is, and they need each other, they they love each other, mm -hmm. right? And that mm -hmm. brings them together to form Garnet. So it's this, you can kind of interpret in all kinds of ways of union and like the joining together to become one person from two people so that is really you know I think was really great and they do it again I mean they actually do it multiple times with the show in all different ways but they do it again with uh, at one point with Stephen himself and a girl and his, the girl he may like uh, or likes Connie uh, and they become this new character um, that is almost androgynous mm -hmm. really Mm -hmm. and has both of their personalities briefly that they're together and then they they pop back apart too so all of those sort of concepts i just think is really really you know really important in what makes i think steven universe such a critical show for for the community yeah yeah and and in an earlier article reference too they talked about you know the nuances of having all of the emotions experienced and i love how when those especially when they're experiencing like anger or rage or something that's viewed as a negative emotion just watching these characters sort of walk through it in a way that isn't that feels like you can identify with and then you can walk away seeing how do i want to say this it's a really good way to represent to children how to navigate emotions. Yes. Yeah. Like we see so much of the abusive side of emotions on television and especially in the early years of, you know, TV animation, they're just so violent Right. <laughs> <laughs> to the point where you're just like, how did we all end up? Okay. Those of us who did end up. Okay. <laughs> um, but especially so when I pulled that EW article, I went back and watched those two episodes specifically to make sure I remembered what happened. And when the character, oh my gosh, I forget the names. I'm sorry. I should have written them down, but you know, she's on her horse and she's going through her journey and she's kind of feeling alone. And they've had, you know, they've had this fight or whatever. And, and, and Steven's trying to comfort her and she's just, 
battling with why well, love her, but this thing, and she's going back and forth, all of those emotions. And then she's got her support system and Steven just there helping her yeah. if feel them. And he right. offers tidbits of wisdom or not whenever he, you know, he interjects whenever it's necessary. I just thought, oh my gosh, that was, yeah. so, and it's not complicated the way they showed it. Yeah. It was right. so beautifully done. It was so easily accessible to understand Oh my gosh. I was like, this does descend age. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, what I think is also very important, what, what they do with the show is that when we really do get to the very end, it, and it takes really the whole series to do this is that Steven throughout the whole series is somebody that is always sort of making things right for everybody or feels like it's his responsibility in a way to help people through a lot of this stuff. But ultimately it is it's so much pressure on him that he doesn't know how to process himself, right? At a certain point. Mm-hmm. Like, and that sort of flipped it around and he becomes this sort of monster in a way, right? Um, because of that sort of idea of like, you know, not doing for himself, which mm-hmm. I think is another great sort of just mental health story and lesson that is put into the, into the grand, you know, the grand scheme of things. Absolutely. The other thing that I really, why that struck me too, was just how important it is when you are a creative person to have an outlet to explore what's going on in your life. Like when I kind of did the timeline of Rebecca's life, um, and then just kind of seeing how Steven Universe unfolded throughout the seasons, you're just, you can see that she's working through her emotions and figure, you know, in, in her identity. And she does it in a way that's through the show that's so beautiful and then makes it, like I said earlier, accessible for other people, whether or not it's, you know, their journey and understanding their own identity, or if it's their journey and understanding just, you know, maybe they're not part of the, you know, maybe they don't identify as queer or they're not questioning, but there's still elements of the show where you can think I've felt similar to, okay, now I can, okay, so maybe it's normal. Got it. And I just, love that she wasn't scared to infuse that into the show, despite all the challenges that she faced on, on the back end. Yeah, totally. And look, I mean, I think that what you just said is important to kind of expand upon because I, I, what it really boils down to is with all of this stuff is that it isn't necessarily, it doesn't, it, it shouldn't be, it's a queer story or it's a queer character, right? It's just a character. Mm-hmm. And that these types of struggles or complexities are human problems that we all face, whether you're 10 years old or whether you're, you know, 50 years old, that doesn't matter. We all deal with different types of emotional uh, things that we have to process and get through, whether you're gay or straight or whatever, it doesn't, that's not really relevant. And Mm -hmm. I think that's really what's important about a lot of the programs we're using Steven Universe today as our uh, example of this is that I think it's the best types of stories that are being told are ones that, sure, if one of the characters happens to be, uh, you know, not not straight, (laughs) not heterosexual, whatever they are, but equally they have the same types of problems that anyone else has, or Mm -hmm. they live in a certain type of family, or 
they're of a different race or that, you know, that is it all doesn't really matter. And when you humanize everything, I think that's what's that's what's so important about all of these programs being being put out there. Yeah, I just I watched Love, Victor for the first time because season two is available on Hulu now, but I don't think it's aired yet on Freeform. I think it airs in a couple of weeks. Um, so sorry if you watch that show and I'm getting ready to ruin something. Um, but one of the characters also has, you know, um, has had this very serious drinking problem. And so he's grappling through that. And I really appreciate. So even though he's kind of walking through, you know, with Victor on Victor, just now sort of being comfortable being out and figuring out how to do that. This, this friend of his is allowed to be multifaceted because he's not as far, he's not as early in his journey of discovering his self-identity as Victor is. So we can see him being a different and a little bit more fleshed out of a character and how the alcoholism has affected him, him, not, not necessarily relating to him being gay. It's just, he's got an alcohol problem and he's got to deal with it. And he's a teenager and everybody parties like that's part of his sub sub um, storyline. And that I just, it was, it, it was interesting to watch because you kind of, not that I'm saying like, we should forget people are gay, but it's nice to see other facets of life when the character is gay. Like not everything is rooted right. in, in being just like with right. the black community. It's nice when I see shows where it's like, this isn't just rooted in black culture. We can exist. We're not a monolith. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> We're allowed to have rom-coms. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I mean, that's to the same point, right? Is that we have to just we have to get to a point where we're just looking at people as people mm -hmm. everyone is just human beings and and well in this case uh <laughs> yeah in Steven Universe's case. <laughs> <laughs> but at, but ultimately that is everyone does face the same types of problems it nothing <laughs> you know nothing else dictates that you know rich or poor or black or white or gay or straight none of those things dictate that it's these are human problems that we're all dealing with uh and and those to me is that is what makes the best kind of stories is that it's focusing it's focusing on the human being mm -hmm. being of the queer community or not is a secondary aspect of it mm -hmm. yeah for sure for sure do you have any other thoughts for Steven Universe you want to add for us? Any other thoughts? For, well, look, I mean, I think it's it's a great, it's one example of a lot of great young programming that's out there when we're talking about animated, mm -hmm. uh, you know, stories. And uh, and I think, you know, maybe, I believe you and I talked about this prior to actually going on, on the air is this, the importance importance of being able to tell those stories now mm -hmm. or, well and that we wish we had those stories years ago yeah. uh, because as a young person how else can you have an opportunity to identify with someone like you mm -hmm. if it's not if you don't see anything else in mainstream right and that's uh, what's critical about and we're seeing more and more of that i mean adventure time also had, you know, uh, characters that came out mm -hmm. at the, really mm -hmm. at the end of the show too. Um, there's been another, um, I'll just mention a couple other great shows to check out too, is from the animation world, um, Kipo and the World of Wonder Beast was an amazing show on um, Netflix. That was oh, produced okay. by DreamWorks. 
animation who had a main character and i was actually like sort of like wow where they there was a main character who one a male character and one of and the kipo the female lead character thought he had a crush on her and he just flat out the line was no i'm gay i was like wow that was <laughs> that was like surprising that they just and it was because that's it should be that casual and he was just so casual about it yeah yeah and playing these this young teen character uh, and so that was pretty amazing to see. Um, Dragon Prince was is another great anime. Oh, I've heard of Dragon Prince on Netflix. Um, and again, they introduced like a character that has two mothers, right? So all of these sort of, and they also have. I, I mean, they did a lot of great things in that show. They also have the king, this main the king of this uh, land, this region, has an adopted son who's white. Uh, he, the king, is black. Oh, interesting. He has a son who's black, but then he has a biological son who's black, but then he has an adopted son who's white, which is a cool dynamic. And yeah, because usually it's the other way around. It's usually right. a white family with a black kid, and then you're just, okay, we know where this is going. Right, exactly. <laughs> and so, like, that's pretty amazing, and how how important that father-son relationship is mm-hmm. to, the, to the adopted son. Uh, they, you know, they had a character who's uh, a character who's deaf who signs so this is animated and and they I don't love that. they don't subtitle it which oh, I, I think is great yeah <laughs> anyway so it's, yeah. it's the diversity in that show was really amazing mm-hmm. and another great example of just like oh yeah these are there there's not one type of person in the world yeah I really actually do like the trend that's coming where subtitles aren't happening when there's like multiple languages existing in a movie or tv show um when my mom and I went and saw West Side Story and I I knew it wasn't subtitled and I can't remember if I warned her or not and she goes I didn't realize it wasn't going to be subtitled I I love that they did that because it shows it's we have people who exist in countries here other and everywhere else I was thinking about it like if I ever did finally do three months in Paris or whatever. I don't know French well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, totally. Imagine, like, I mean, it's, so I love how they're creating that experience of like, you just have to deal. Sorry, this yeah, is totally. not, this, this scene's not for you. It's for our Spanish speakers. Yeah. It's for our ASL speakers. Like, I mean, even Adventure Time had a character that was, that talks in uh, Korean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And they never subtitle it. And there's great videos online that you can find on YouTube of like the tra- the translation for those scenes, which is yeah. amazing. Hughes by Jewels offers custom artwork and original prints specializing in watercolor, focusing on the human form and different shades of skin. If you're looking for that perfect gift for a birthday or have a special memory you'd like to commemorate, visit Hughes by Jewels on Instagram. That's Hughes. H-U-E-S by Jules, J-U-L-E-S. Why don't you share with our friends at home what RPG is? Because I feel like I don't know if everyone's going to be familiar. The only familiarity I have is like Dungeons and Dragons, but I know that's more complicated than that, right? Well, Dungeons and Dragons is certainly the one that everybody knows. And I we should distinguish. So there is also, uh, you know, 
TTRPG, which is tabletop RPGs, oh. and then MMORPG, which is massive multiplayer online role-playing games like World of Warcraft. Got it. Right? So okay. those are examples. So tabletop RPGs are the old school, gotcha. <laughs> classic, yeah. uh, you know, pencil and paper and dice. Yeah you know, version of stuff. And that's what we're going to talk a bit about. And of course, it if and in many ways, that is the precursor to what became massive multiplayer online role playing games, mm -hmm. which is which everyone is more familiar with today. But I think RPGs, in the grand scheme of things have made a massive resurgence uh, in the last several years. And I think in no short part because of Stranger Things. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> because, uh, and that's awesome. I mean, it's just great that this, that this is a thing again, mm -hmm. uh, because I went through the whole gamut of when it was a geeky thing that, that yeah. no one would do. Uh, ironically, like the kids in uh, Stranger Things are seen that way because that was the time period. Yeah. Uh, and now it's back into a cool it's cool. Yeah. There's all these cool kids. Like Geeks somebody, are cool, and that's yeah, <laughs> yeah. There was these group of kids who like looked quote cool. They were talking about it. I was like, what? When I was in high school, role player game guys did not look like you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm saying it's good or bad. It was just this moment of like, wait, what happened? Where, yeah. Where's the shift? <laughs> now everyone likes it. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting. But tell us a little bit about what role player games look like, how, what the, you know, all of the things. Explain it to our friends at home. Yeah, absolutely. So if you haven't played any kind of RPG, and there's all kinds of different ones, but as we mentioned, D&D &D or Dungeons & Dragons are, is probably one of the most popular ones that are out there. There's uh, dozens and dozens and dozens of them. I play other games called, um, one, a couple examples of other games that I play, Warhammer is another one, and Call of Cthulhu is another one, which is very Lovecraftian uh, in nature. And so, uh, but mostly we're gonna focus on the old school like stuff, but, I like to describe RPGs as mostly a cooperative game that is rooted in creative storytelling. And these games usually have a GM or a game master of some kind that leads the adventure or story. And while all the other players that are part of it, they embody a character that they create and uh, get integrated into this adventure or, or campaign or story that the game master is leading. And so in a game like D&D, for example, these could be fantasy-based characters that you might associate with the Middle Ages or Lord of the Rings types of things, like a ranger or wizard or rogue. Um, so that's it in a nutshell. That's sort of okay. the, the, the basic of what an RPG is. Um, and they, it's just, uh, it's creative storytelling at its core. Yeah. And then when you were saying that, I was like, oh, I think I might've played some role-playing games back in the days when I had a game, like a group of gamers and we'd play, everyone would have to bring some kind of board game and the, the variety was wide, right? Yeah. Like you'd have people who are like, yeah, we play games, but then they'd bring Monopoly and you're just right. like, no, you can leave. No one here <laughs> wants to play that. Sorry. <laughs> but you know, I think one of the best things about for me personally, what I love the most about RPGs and what I actually don't really like about MMORPGs is that classic traditional RPGs is a cooperative game where mm -hmm. everybody sitting at the table for the most part are working together mm -hmm. to 
you you're fighting the game really, yeah right yeah. and it's you're not you're not fighting each other yeah there was right? this it's one, not competitive in that way yeah there was this one that we played oh gosh I wish I could remember what it's called now um I, we're talking six years ago so digging that far back is hard um and there was there was a person who like he or she would sit behind, like would have the board. Yeah, the little, and then we all were, like you said, all were different characters, yeah. but it was like a mystery house. So like you could be a ghost or you could be oh, nice. like a vampire or something like that. And it was a lot of fun um, because that was the goal was the, the cooperative um, experience. And it's interesting because with video games or just, you know, that the digital element to it, I know a lot of parents freak out and that's a huge topic of conversation, but I have to say, like when my son started playing those games one day, it was Saturday afternoon, I think, and I'm listening to him. He's in fifth grade and the strategy that they're coming up with so that way they could get to the next round or whatever. I was like, that sounds deeply complicated. I don't even know if as an adult, I could come up with a strategy like that. Right. That's great. (laughs) So I feel like sometimes, you know, they're not given enough credit because you are working your brain in a complex way. As you, you know, as you're saying, you're working in in a cooperative. So you have to, you're learning how to work with other people. So the collective is we win. (laughs) Right, 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 right. And at its core, you know, again, at its core, it is not I win, but like you said, we win, right? Because mm-hmm. it is a lot of all, these games are team based. It mm-hmm. is together. How do we strategically or what have you work to get to our end goal of living to fight another day uh, <laughs> as characters and and move forward and defeat the monster or whatever it might be yeah, that yeah. you're dealing with? Um, but in a lot of cases you know, the stories are trying to, and look, and in some cases it is, there are moral dilemmas that come through it. I mean, depending on how deep you get into these types of games, there's also what they call alignments, right? So you could be considered neutral good or lawful evil or whatever, and that plays into your character as to how you might deal with certain things. And I've played a lot as a character, and I've also played a lot as a uh, in, in D&D, they sometimes call it the DM, which is the dungeon master. But essentially, so I've run a lot of games and I've I've been a character in lots of games. And as someone, when I run games, I, I like to bring that in because sometimes characters might propose doing something. And I, mm-hmm. I sometimes remind them that I don't know if somebody, like you wouldn't like just kill a random person on the street yeah. for no oh, reason, gosh. right? Like it's yeah. like you're you're a good aligned character, so you wouldn't necessarily, quote unquote, murder somebody. Sure. <laughs> you know, your character wouldn't do that because that doesn't fit with your alignment. So that sort of stuff plays into into the yeah, game. which makes me think like it's a version of theater, right? Because you have this very oh, specific sure. role you have to play, and if you deviate right. from that, it's you know. The audience right. is going to be like, what? <laughs> what are you doing? Hamilton right. would never do that. <laughs> yeah, totally. And, you know, I think some people think of the game as it's not like everybody has to be like really, really strict with doing voices. Sure. And some people, some people like to do voices yeah. in the game to really embody the character a certain way. Uh, but it's, it is casual fun. I mean, one of my favorite aspects of this game is just hanging out and getting together with friends 
ordering dinner or whatever yeah. and just sitting around and having a good time and and really getting immersed and into this into this fantasy world really. yeah there's community there oh yeah uh, yeah for sure and i mean i have played characters and i have been with groups of friends that the same group of friends that have played together for more than i think i'd like to admit but i mean i've <laughs> i've been i i mean i i used to have a group before i had moved from where i used to live that we probably played together as a group i would say for well over 10 years maybe 10 to wow. 12 years um you so know so you're every time you launch launch the game if you will it mm -hmm. could be different every time it's not the same thing every time yeah you know there's different there's lots of different ways you can kind of approach these games a game like dnd is one that in the best case scenario you want to what they call level up right which mm -hmm. is similar to even a video game of course because that's where they derive a lot of this from is this idea that you become more powerful or more advanced in certain ways and you get better skills and better weapons and all these sort of things as you kind of increase and you go from level one two three etc etc um and so you could be the same group of adventurers that are out on these campaigns and so i mean in some cases there could be really involved campaigns i mean we've played campaigns that one game if you will one adventure can take prob like over a year of oh wow um because of the scope of the story that is unfolding and you know you maybe you can only meet once a month as a group or once mm -hmm. but every every time you as most you know gamers know a game session together with friends never less than three hours always between like three to six hours of just being together yeah uh, for one day of playing a session of a game uh and then that could, could go on you know for sure for months and months and months it's wow i had no idea because you know like the way we see it represented in pop culture it seems like it it's like all right what's friday night let's play this game and then everyone packs up and goes home because the game's over you right, know at right. the end and they make it seem like it's not as detailed and com not complicated is not the right word but i guess complicated could work because you're working through this world of having to like you say level up and do all these different things yeah i mean in some cases you can also there are these one shots which is something that a, a good dm can just run in a you know, maybe a four hour session and everyone's together, they have characters oh, and maybe they're just that, you know, look, I mean, there could be people that just haven't ever done it before and they just want to get together right. and try it. So, and I've done games like that too, for people that have never, ever, ever played any kind of RPG and I'll run like a one or two session game and really try and get them into it uh, to just enjoy the escapism of it. Mm -hmm, for sure. Hey friends, did you know that I have spoken about representation in media and literature other than just on the podcast? I've been booked to speak at company meetings, panel discussions, voiceovers for commercials and video narratives, and to moderate discussion panels. To learn more about how you can book me for an event, just shoot me an email, popculturemakesmejealous at gmail.com. Use speaking engagement as the subject line. Looking forward to working with you. In a listicle from gamers 
decided titled seven reasons why we love RPG games and several others. In fact, like I had to, it was like, I'll just pick the seven reasons why, because there's so many listicles about why people love it. They all point to the ability to create and to create and experience worlds that can't or don't exist in the real world. Uh, And so on this show, we talk a lot about representation and what it's like to not see yourself in mainstream media or the versions of your community still not really and truly represented. So I'm curious in your experience, how did RPG fill this gap for you? You know, I feel like it, it actually evolved a lot over the years. I didn't even really think about it in that way early on but Mm -hmm. later and the more I played it and the more I ran games too you know I it dawned on me and and I've read a lot of articles about this too but you know one might not immediately think of RPGs and representation of all kinds not just LGBTQ but what I found playing it is that it really creates uh it can create a safe space you know, to explore all sorts of things, you know, Mm -hmm. you're free to be anyone in the game, uh, not even a human, right? So, (laughs) and I've played, uh, I mean, I've played young characters, old characters, gay, straight, male, female, other, like I said, other races, and it can be a fun experience to get out of your comfort zone and try something new. It can also help people, um, try to identify as something they're not to try and understand or put themselves in someone else's Mm. shoes which is nice and uh and i'll share just a really quick short story about this and and where this could be supportive so i had run a game you know i i also have run games for young players too and i ran a game for a group of young players they were maybe like 11 to 13 and one of the characters, uh, it was, I think there were like four players. And one of the, one of the kids, one of the characters just casually said, uh, he mentions there was something about being off on some part of the adventure. And then he met, he mentions, oh, I was, I was off with my boyfriend. And everyone else at the table, all the other kids at the table just sort of shrugged like, okay, that's great. You know, like there was no, and so whether or not he, this young player wanted to, whether it was a, a chance for him to say that, whether he identifies as gay or not, wasn't even questioned, but his character was gay. At least, I mean, he outed the character in the game and whether or not that's him, that doesn't necessarily matter. But mm-hmm. if it is, it it encourages him to say, oh, okay, it didn't matter. Like everyone was okay with this, right? So yeah. it becomes this sort of safe space. And I think you see this a lot, not just in RPGs, but even in the gaming community too, as much as there's sometimes backlash mm-hmm. from parents or whatever that they are spending hours and hours on uh you know lost in these games i think what people forget is that not in all cases but there is something to be said about the positive spin on the internet and and gaming communities and all this sort of stuff is that in some situations there are communities of people who really struggle to be in the 
quote real world right mm-hmm. to be social you know social dynamics is very difficult for them or maybe they are questioning who they are and they just don't feel comfortable in these types of settings in school or what have you or, or just in the real world or talking to their parents or who knows right yeah but the gaming community whether it's sitting down at a table together with like-minded individuals or online gaming suddenly becomes this either online it could be anonymity mm-hmm. and in person you're you might find like-minded people that just that are totally accepting of everything and so you can explore this sort of stuff and that was a really exciting thing to learn more about and dive deeper into in recent years the yeah. more I got into you know doing much more RPG stuff yeah I love the note you said about basically it's you're helping people are learning empathy in a way because you have to you're you're being this other character you have to see it from their perspective and there's so much fear right now in our world about that which is just so mind-blowing to me because when you are in the margins in some way shape or form you're forced into empathy because we have to think about like we can't always see well, we don't always see ourselves. So we have to find other ways to understand and to relate. Yeah. Um, and so it's, that's a, that's a, and it's not always safe for us to explore that. Right. And in so that way. everybody's always looking for an opportunity. People like anything, right. People mm-hmm. want to find their tribe, right. Yeah. Or find a community <laughs> yeah. that they can relate to and feel a safe, a be in a safe space. And, yeah. and, and I think in a lot of ways, the online community in some situations and an RPG type of community can be the safe havens yeah. for people to be like, oh, wait, I just found my tribe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they don't care that I want to this time play, you know, whatever, you know, yeah, a, yeah. A, a male character and I'm female or vice versa or, yeah. or what have you. And that's totally fine. Yeah, it's interesting when you were again, another thing that popped into my head when you were talking about that. So I, a couple weekends ago, I spent the entire Saturday watching Heartstopper on Netflix, which I've been watching now myself. Oh my gosh. I love it so much. It's so great. Um, and they're coming back for a second and a third season, I think. So it makes me really happy. And then of course the bookstore in our town finally has it. Um, so it's like, okay, where was this before the show? But whatever, that's not the point. The point (laughs) is, is thank you for having it in the bookstore. But, you know, with the character, with one of the characters, I don't know how far are you in? I am like five episodes. Yeah. Oh, okay. There, you know, the main character is just adorable and he's, <laughs> you know, confident in who he is and he knows all these things and he just so easily falls in love, which I love that about him. Yeah. But throughout my, the- uh, my sugar levels rise so high because it's the sweetest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm like an overload of uh, sweetness on this show. It really is. It really (laughs) is. That's a great, it really is. But I love how like, there's so, there's just so much great stuff about that show. And oh man, what's the other character's name that they, that is now going to the girls school. Um, Oh yes. Gosh, there's so much I want to say, but I don't want to ruin it for you because you're only in episode five. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm right away, you know, they really 
they jump right into it for sure yeah, in the show. Yeah. But one of the characters is sort of stuck in this role of this is who he is. This is what everyone expects of him. This is what people say of him. And he's, right. you know, trying to explore beyond that. And it is scary for him. Um, and I just, man, I just listen, when you get to the final <laughs> episode, the payoff is so good. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's another good example. You know, I was actually talking to another uh, a friend of mine too about this show and how it's another example of just how commonplace now these shows can be and how modern high school, or I mean, being in high school to, in today's, in 2022, mm-hmm is so vastly different than it is, was yeah. 10 or 20 years ago or more of what that what that was like and even the main character is out from mm-hmm. like from the beginning mm-hmm. and nobody cares really yeah. i mean other than there's obviously going to be teasing and that i don't think is ever necessarily going to go away they'll tease right. you about something if it's not you know we like right you know, not something else that's just high school and middle school and all that stuff. But in the grand scheme of things, everyone's like, why, you know, you you, you don't do that. You don't tease or bully about that thing. And, you know, and, and, and that's great. I mean, it's just great that that's available now that we're just seeing a lot more of that type Mm -hmm. of programming out there. Um, But it is, regardless, of course, it is still scary because, what you add to that or coupled with that is the is family dynamics in some right. cases there's got to be families who just won't accept it or yeah. it becomes a real really really difficult situation um and that goes back to all of this right which is that yeah. uh, what where are the communities then can you find safe spaces mm-hmm. to be who you are yeah and you know that's kind of one of the reasons why I loved the insurgence of the internet I know there's a lot of terrible things that happen on the internet but the community I grew up in it it's not it's like the 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 official demographic census depending on what year you're looking at is like 48% white 48% Hispanic and then everyone else falls into that what's left over and it's so diverse in that what's left over but the black community is still really really small and so and then like the mixed community is still really really small so you know here comes Instagram and it's opening up this world of like oh look there's other like oh the universal the universal things that happen like I thought they were experiences where it's just like I think this only happened because I live in a in a red county like that's this is and then when I see other people across the country even reading Trevor Trevor Noah's book him growing up in South America or South America South Africa very different countries just some yeah just some of the things that he talked about his experience being mixed I was like okay this is universal. I thought I was like alone in my tiny little county that's red, sometimes purple. And, and I found all of the people who lean a little left. So it's like, I've got my little safety net, but also (laughs) there's some really scary shit that happens here. Um, and then, you know, here I find all these people online who have similar stories and similar experiences. And it's, and, and even though some of them are kind of traumatic, there's still some comfort in knowing like, okay, it wasn't just me. Like, that's just what people think. So now we know how to attack it and change it or try to change it. Yeah. And I, I mean, it really, you know, solidifies the importance of this, 
of storytelling, you know, I mean, in a lot of ways, this all all roots into just art, right? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> whether we're talking about television or film or literature or music or what have you, the fact that now all of these artists and creators are feeling comfortable exploring different topics than mm-hmm. what has just been the norm for it. I mean, I can only speak of Western society, right? Sure. Amer- or American Western society for the most part in the last forever years. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, maybe, you know, or prior to maybe 20 or 30 years ago, there's just been, I think, a massive shift in what is okay to have in mass media. And and you're right. I mean, when you look at the the landscape of the country, you know, there's still a, there's, there's still a long road to go, but I but it is incredible that we're able to kind of get just more and more of this. And the internet, look, I mean, I, I guess for me, I try and look at everything with a lens of perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing is perfect, right? The internet's not perfect and it never will be. There's terrible things, but there's also amazing things, mm-hmm. right? And, the, but that is, that's not, I, I don't think that's necessarily, uh, the internet i just think that's life right yeah no matter you can go to another country and there's good and bad things you can mm-hmm. you know whatever walk down your street there's good and bad yeah things. there is good and bad and everything that's out there and that's just that's just the way life is mm-hmm. but having the pluses that art is able to kind of express it express these sort of things in a way now that is the more and more and more and more we can make this mainstream and mm-hmm. uh, and these types of stories out there, the more it's going to help those individuals of any age that are going to be somewhere in, a, in the world thinking that they are alone. Because if you're, in many cases, a young person is tends to sometimes think that this is it. This mm-hmm. thing, it will never change. If you're in high school and, and you're in a really miserable type of setting, it's hard to imagine that there's anything else than that. Yeah. Um, or you don't ever imagine you could leave that that yeah. space. Or this is just what life is. And we're here to tell you it's not what life is. No, <laughs> it's, it's not. It's just a tiny little blip on the map time period. Yeah. Um, although it does feel, can feel overwhelming and mm-hmm. isolating. Yeah. I think back to your point about um, creating art. When I learned of the timeline of um, Rebecca's, you know, just self-discoveries and seeing that in relationship to Steven's universe, Steven universe. I think it made those seasons that existed during her, you know, self exploration, even more powerful and beautiful to me, because it was like, you are not, you're, you're taking your art, you're taking what you're learning about yourself and pouring it into your art. So that way it's not just, it's, so others can experience it too. And then that creates back to the em- empathy portion. Like either you see it and you think, oh, I relate to it, or you see it and you try to understand it. And yes. I just, and that's what, this is why artists are so important. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Please support artists. <laughs> <laughs> we need them. They challenge us. Um, yes. 
while RPG isn't something I've dabbled in, well, actually, now that I, we've had this conversation, I'm like, no, I've totally, Maybe and I, I just didn't think of, I just didn't, because, you know, in my mind, I'm like, it's Dungeons and Dragons, and that's the only one, but there's, is it called? There's so much more out there. There's, yeah, and now yeah. it's going to kill me that I can't remember what that game was called, because it was actually a lot of fun. I was n- the worst team player, because I have ADHD, so <laughs> If the scene is taking too long, I'm not paying attention. I'm sorry. Anyway, I do, I can appreciate what it does in the grand scheme of, you know, being able to sort of experience things that are a little bit different. Um, And on this show in episode one, season three, Amy Albertson was here and we briefly talked about, well, we talked about freaks and geeks in that episode. And there's that scene at the end where Daniel, at the very, the, um, season or the series finale which we weren't expecting daniel desario he joins the geeks and they play dungeons and dragons right. and he has so much fun doing it <laughs> and he's like so we're gonna play again next week guys and it's so unexpected because he spends all season being this you know freak guy who's like clearly you know well I think he's clearly high the whole season, (laughs) but like, it's, it's a nice unexpected thing because it kind of, it shows, it doesn't matter if you're a quote freak, you can still love playing this game. You can still love things that are outside of what you're supposed to be. Yeah. And you know, can I just, I just want to mention, because you bring up another good point too, which is that it, it just makes me think about what it really what it really all comes down to or really boils down to is experience right and so the challenging thing i think that we face a lot as just people is either one trying to put yourself in someone else's shoes it's a, it can be a very hard thing for people to do and this all goes back to the empathy part right you have to do that or be that to be able to have some context and understanding and perspective on it And the other part is just like life experiences, right? So if you, I just think it's so important that we experience as much as we can while we're on this, you know, rock in space for as long as we're here for. Uh, Some people say we're only around this ride once. (laughs) Other people think we might take the ride multiple times. But, but, uh, but, at the core, it's really about trying to have as many experiences as you can, at least that's my perspective on it, because it just helps you understand that there's a bigger world out there. There's, there's not one type of way to live a life Mm -hmm. and having, and even if it's the tiniest, tiniest thing, which is that, oh, I never played D and D and I'm going to try and do it. Uh, And look, you could do it and say, oh, you know what? That wasn't for me. But that in and of itself is an experience, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. I, or go to see an opera or go yeah. to whatever, like just do these kinds of things to be like, now what I gained from that is that I won't, I, I didn't enjoy it and I won't do it. Okay. But, or I loved it and I never thought I would and I want to do it again, right? Yeah. That is so critical yeah. of us being able to, you know, know our neighbor and, and have some empathy and understand Mm -hmm. things in a different way because we experience it or we can get in their shoes or spend an afternoon chatting with someone else that's very 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 different than you to just talk it out (laughs) yeah absolutely absolutely when my son was little it was like okay where can we go where what can we do what's within driving range because you need to understand that 
this is not how everybody lives. <laughs> right. This little town this we little live tiny in. tiny thing. Yeah, this is kind of a weird thing. I don't know if I want you to stay here forever. So let's go. Let's yes. travel. Yes. Let's And travel, you know, can be cost prohibitive, but there are yes. ways to do it. Right. Um, and so, you know, we just kind of did whatever we could to get out and, and, and so he could see like, because I was seeing too all too often what I was seeing, at least from my generation, the kids who didn't fit here fled and never came back mm-hmm. because it was such a cruel community for them. Yeah. And I didn't want him to feel like he couldn't come home to see me if I should stay here. And I also wanted him to understand, like, you don't have to. And then there was a fraction of who didn't fit here and stayed and they're miserable and it's really hard to watch. And I didn't want either. I didn't want that for him. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I mean, if you at the very least, like you said, it is cost prohibitive sometimes to get to go far. But if you if you live in the country, you should really make an effort to go into whatever mm-hmm. big city is nearby. And if you live in a big city, you should really make an effort to go into the country. <laughs> like yeah. these are the types of things that however you do it, it's mm-hmm. not like you have to go travel to other countries in the world if you can't afford to do that. But if you can just make the effort to kind of see something mm-hmm. that is really different. I think one of the best things, I, I lived in Manhattan for in New York for 20 years. And one of the most amazing things I saw once was walking on the block was this full-on Amish family oh, wow. walking down the street like Amish Amish like like but and they were just mom dad kids yeah and they were just walking down the street I almost wanted to just go up to them and be like you know what <laughs> kudos for you for coming in even if you were just like this was the most yeah. this was like a denizen of sin like even if you just like didn't like it okay that's but you did it right like that was the most important thing and if one and if the kid was like this is incredible and i know that this exists now Mm -hmm. like this is not a bad thing this is actually important to know that there's something else out there yeah for sure oh my gosh joe thank you so much for joining us today can you please remind our friends at home listening where they can find you if they want to keep up with you Yes. Well, uh, you can check out the my podcast, which uh, I is hosted by Jimmy Aquino, and it's called Comic News Insider. And if you're into anything comic book, animation, sci-fi, pop culture, and anything geek culture, uh, definitely swing over there. There's a new episode every single Wednesday. Nice. Excellent. Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous is written, edited, and produced by me, Julia Washington, and I am fueled by the incredible support system of women who allow me to run ideas, cry, melt down when I feel overwhelmed. I also want to do a big shout out to our Patreon community. Thank you for your continued support. It brings me great joy to bring you quality content and our monthly get-togethers. Thanks again to Joe for joining us. And friends, we will link to his um, podcast in the show notes so you can have easy access to it. And I just want to say thanks for tuning in, y'all. And until next time.